Welcome everybody, Good Life Housing Partners. It is episode 110. We are sitting here on June 27th, Tuesday, and we are getting ready for a the end of the month. This June just has flown by. We finally gotten some good weather in Los Angeles after a, a very rainy start to the year, the rainiest I can ever remember. And being episode 110, a freeway that both of us take on the regular on a regular yes. basis. Uh, I'd say this is the freeway episode. We've got a lot, lot to talk about. What's going on out there, Mr. Fong? Where, uh, where did yeah, we find it's, you? It's a nice day in the summer. I, I think summer maybe started last week. Or, yeah, we had the longest day last week. We yeah, had the, solstice last week. The, um, Every although day I've heard, although I've here, heard in uh, d- different cities, I know it's like in New York City where my folks are, The um, I heard there's a lot of rain this last few days. So it's a little atypical summer day in, in, in New York City. Um, and then... Dallas, which is where you're heading to tomorrow, yes. is, a, is a nice, uh, cozy 100 degrees. 107 tomorrow, <laughs> so, my friend. So you can have, have a good time there. Yeah, uh, Vegas is not as hot as it normally has been from my uh, friends here. They've been there for the World Series of Poker this month. They've told me it's, it's, it's wow. high 90s. It's a, a few times hit 80s, but it you know, hasn't hit the 127 yet. <laughs> It'll probably come pretty soon, probably around July 4th, which is next week all yes. of a sudden. Yes, this midweek Fourth of July, I'm telling you, man, I don't want to change the authenticity of a Fourth of July, but this midweek thing is not easy. It's very awkward. Really, kind of takes the like you know you just go to in on Monday or you don't go in on Monday, and suddenly it's like becomes very awkward. This whole like to start the week on a Wednesday. I guess it's depending where your work life view is. Like it, I guess it. Is either really good or it's just really yeah. And I guess, I guess with all the uh, three day work weeks now, when the yeah, how this, it just smack in the middle, smack in the middle, it screws it up. I mean, it, uh, yeah. The only thing that could be a, could be even more challenging would be a Wednesday Fourth of July. <laughs> so Tuesday is slightly better. Well, next year, next year we'll uh, next year will be Wednesday. We'll be in Canada, I, probably, I guess. Yeah, so I guess, we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll something so, to forward to, I guess. So uh, a little follow up from last week's uh, podcast. Yes, we t- we've been talking about the demise of uh, San Francisco uh, Union Square area and the office market and the retail market in particular with the Westfield Mall leaving. Yeah, and so uh, Mayor London Breed, the San Francisco mayor, was actually last week attending the Bloomberg Tech Summit. Oh, wonderful! In San Francisco, and uh, really of course she gave a little there. speech and. Uh, you know, when came to the subject of the mall, she said, you know, you know what? It might be a good idea to just tear down the Westfield Mall. Okay. And just... replace it with something completely different. Mm-hmm. So she was encouraging people to be creative. Oh, and, and wonderful. we need to spark, start reimagining what downtown can be, uh-huh. you, you know, and try to break this uh, doom loop for the city. So uh, one of the suggestions she threw out was a sports stadium. I don't know what sport. But yes. I don't know uh, how I, you're going to finance and build such a big thing. I think the major sports covered. And I don't yeah, because basketball's they have a basketball's new baseball stadium, just right? there, and they have a fairly new baseball team just down the road, and the 49ers play in a brand-new stadium across the, uh, or down the bay. And unless they're looking for a, you know, a hockey team or some other sport, maybe pickleball, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's, it's hot these days. So, I don't yeah, know how big a stadium you need for that. It really <laughs> just shows you, like, A, I don't know what gave her... I guess it's a very natural question to ask. But this is the fact that you would be like, we should just reimagine this, like, as if, like, you're like a child with Legos or something. Yeah, like, yeah. let's just tear down these, you know, billion-dollar structures 
and like build a stadium for yeah. what sport? Who knows? Like yeah. doesn't know sport, has no idea what. I mean, I'm sure she's a fantastic lady. In fact, I've seen her say some very uh, nothing brilliant, but I'm serious. Say things that I sort of like here and there. But, but she's put in a bad position. You know. Well, I mean, what can they do? What can you? Do? What are you going to say? <laughs> like, I mean, what, I guess. I guess you. I want to reimagine it. You're trying to talk positive about it, but. What are we talking about here? Yeah. It's like delusional. Yeah. But it's a tough position to be in too as a mayor. Like, what are you going to say? Like, oh, yeah. No, I, listen, <laughs> I appreciate your empathy for her. Uh, I would say that you probably ought to take a large step back and say part of being in this very poor position, <laughs> just like having this horrid cough, is something led to it. Like, you know, you did a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't think you did anything wrong. You just got happened to have this cough. But. London did make a lot of great decisions here. Like you got to this position because, you know, you just kind of let things go crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, and so hey, I I feel, I guess I feel a little that sympathy. I don't feel empathetic. <coughs> I would have made these decisions. Like this isn't my, you know, I love San Francisco. I I hope before, you know, I I leave this planet that I I get to go and spend some wonderful weekends there like I used to, but. That's pretty damn low on my agenda these days. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Well, that was a Napa, though. And certainly, as a politician, she's not going to admit. You know, her policies might have kind of helped in some way to create the you know the doom cycles they can doom loop, which is basically crime increased, and then retail leasing. And just how about just confidence? Work. Just was like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, we used to make a billion dollars at this mall. <coughs> now we're like two hundred million. Like this, uh, this is not gonna work. Yeah, so um, interesting. I guess she she could have kept quiet, but she's a politician, and so could have could have said, um, you know, we're thinking up new ideas. Planning department is working on a a plan or something. But instead, she drew out the uh, stadium, and also the other thing was maybe we replace it with educational institutions or facilities of some sort. Yeah, I don't know what what. Stanford? Yeah, I don't know who's going to go there. Stanford campus right there? That's not a bad idea. I kind of like that. But, you know, we're all open to ideas, and she cared for people to come up with ideas. But she also did some affordable housing rant. Yeah, or she said, or turn some of these empty office buildings into affordable housing. Yeah. You know, we just kind of figured this out. Yeah, you know, at one point there were $100 rents. Now, you know, you might, $100 rents will be like, you know, 60-cent rents. So, sure. But, so anyway, that's a little epilogue on that on that item. Um Big transaction. What's interesting, though, about that, and and we try to steer somewhat clear of being political and polarized, but on some level, like, you know, we're obviously highly real estate focused group. We're like very sensitive to, you know, changes in legislation and safety and crime because these things really drive the rental demand in, in the different cities that we're based in and that we have assets in. But there is a, a large group, a large population in San Francisco that hears that comment and says, you know what? Why not? Why not? Why can't we just have a nice stadium there? <laughs> why can't we just New NFL have, stadium? <laughs> have classrooms there? Why, why can't there just be affordable housing in these billion dollar towers? Why can't all that just exist? And what fantasy land or what do you need to be like... You can't, that's, drinking will not get you there. Like, you need something well beyond drinking to come to these things are like reality. But the fact that somebody says this and is like, oh, this is great. Like, this is normal. It's like, oh, this sounds wonderful. Without any sense of what it actually is going to occur or like reality is amazing to me. Yeah. 
And that is America, friends. Well, that is that's, America. Well, that's politics. Um, not not too far away, Silicon Valley. The uh, interesting article I saw too about office markets. The uh, vacant office buildings are slowly slowly piling up in Silicon Valley too, because the um, most Silicon Valley companies are dumping office space at an accelerating pace as all the tech leaders, you know, tech leaders such as Google and Meta all are closing locations or rethinking re- about all their office space commitments because, you know, the, you know, all the hybrid work and things that they've been having. And so, um, you know, and then of course a lot of tech companies have also started going through layoffs and, sh- and shedding of people. Uh, similarly, you know, the famous Sand Hill Road in Menlo Park, which is where all the venture capital firms are, Apparently, a lot of venture capital firms also shedding office space, and you know they've got hybrid work schedules or remote working, and so and so and so, and so no, no one no one is needing. Or there's no need for these office spaces. And anecdotally, I had a friend who went uh, to work for a family office, hmm. um, and she told me one of the things they asked her to try to do. Although her main job was supposed to be fundraising for their venture capital investments and helping the find VC investments but they asked her if they could help her with this real estate investment because apparently this family office owns a lot of real estate in Silicon Valley and they just built you know a 200,000 square foot office building <laughs> brand new where is it really pretty in, in Silicon Valley and I saw, I saw the photos it was really nice looking class A building kind of reminds me of stuff sometimes like in the west side of, of you know like Silicon Beach they call it here and then Playa Vista or, or down in El Segundo but uh, completely empty, no takers, no one interested. This is in Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so, so they just came to market and they've been sitting here for months vacant. And she was asking me if I knew of investors who want to buy that kind of oh product. My God. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Well, or, or how do we solve this? And I was like, well, I don't know who you put in there. Cause, and then this, you know, this, you know, kind of is, is, you know, consistent with kind of this report about how these vacant offices are piling up. And, you know, it's interesting because you look back about it, that office market, San Francisco, you know, San Francisco used to have vibrant downtown, as we talked oh, about. Amazing. And so they had a strong Wonderful. office market. And an offshoot of that was there was all these like, kind of like you know fancy offices in, in, in Silicon Valley itself that was sort of their own little sub-market that was fairly strong and I knew a lot of companies oh, back companies, in the day made, you know, made a lot of money doing office work out there you know build developing and you know office buildings and leasing them out and it's amazing how you know given the changes that have happened with this hybrid work and the little bit of downsizing you know that that market is now sort of I, yeah, didn't, I don't know that the downsizing, you know, just to jump on that, is like, I don't know if that's a straight, direct, like, I don't actually know how much these companies have, have how much employees they've actually downsized. I'm not clear on that one. Because I think there's the same amount of people. They're just not going in as much. Well, no, no, but, but but Google and all the other companies, we've talked about it before. They've done some layoffs. They've done, but I don't even know how many of those folks were, like, actually going into the oh, office. Sure. Like. But what, what I, here's one that I actually heard that's like somewhat positive on office and somewhat intriguing. So there's a group in, the mid, uh, in Minnesota that just bought one of the more iconic office towers mm-hmm. for like a third of what it was worth just a few years ago. And it's a really beautiful glass tower. Where? Where's in Minnesota. Tower? Oh, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, Minneapolis. And I was reading through kind of what their basics of their business plan was. And they basically are like, we're buying this for a third. We're at this amazing basis in our minds. Our floor plates aren't terrible. They're 20,000 feet floor plates. It's a high-rise building. And they, they were going to roll out a number of pretty cool amenities. So, so they're going to have a gym. They're going to have pickleball courts indoor. 
They're going to have a really good outdoor space. They're going to have co-working space. They're going to have a... Um, they're going to have a... Uh, they're going to have two or three Cadillac Escalades on the property that when you need to go somewhere within the downtown Minneapolis, they will shuttle you there in, the, in these Escalades, I guess. But they were like... You know, these are not terribly large floor plates. We think we can get firms that will be interested to have space for their companies to come here. You know, we're not trying to sell 200,000 feet or 100,000 foot floor plates. It's 20,000. We can cut it up down to 2,000. And he's like, hey, we're going to try to make it into a really cool happening place. And I was like, got me thinking. I was like, if you made this space more like, let's just say, Soho House, you know, then... I mean, I like going to cool hotels. I don't mind sitting in those lobbies. I don't mind having a conversation there with people. I don't mind even doing a little work here and there. But if you're like, get me in some old office building and I got to do 25 junking jacks and show my ID and all this stuff to get upstairs, and then it's really boring aside from a view, I'm, that's what I'm not really interested in. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's consistent with, you know, the office buildings in urban areas are doing well still or all the... Newer ones, super amenitized, newer ones, you know, who who are, you know, have the ability to spend the money to be creative. Yeah. As opposed to. They're also having a podcast studio. Yeah. We're we're in Minneapolis. We'll get some, get some spare time up there. I mean, in New York City, the one of the things they, uh, you know, one of the things I saw also people talked about, you know, there was the whole thinking office to residential conversion. But a lot of it is saying that some of those prospects are a little overblown just because the cost is still so high yeah. you know the, the floor plates floor plates aren't amenable you cost you, you about 600 to 800 square foot <coughs> and you lose about 20 25 percent of your rentable square feet and you convert based on what what exists right now in new york so it's a little overblown i mean i think ultimately at some level you know it's not going to become extinct office in new york city because it's new york city right you know san francisco I- office space i don't know to be honest like yeah, like, like is extinction you know years past there without extinction is impossible but extinction to a certain degree maybe and you know silicon valley i don't think it'll get extinct i don't think it'll come back because that's still silicon valley those companies yeah. there'll be all sorts of companies there that'll be there well i think the there's such a technology it's, it's so ingrained in those cities plus there's you know these are still even with all of the issues that San Francisco is facing, especially in its downtown and probably a just weak leadership and probably needs to go hit a few more levels down before people that are in Fairyland kind of realize that this is not going in the right direction. But there's still a like a tremendous housing market with like really world class weather and amenities and a, you know, world class bay and there's just a lot of things that are, you know, geographically and just over time been built there that are very hard to replicate <coughs> the bridges and the water these are like you can't replicate these you can't go build yeah. these in san antonio like you just can't do it so there's part of it that eventually people the river will well yeah the river walk is just a, you know it pales in comparison to the you know the bay the, the bay right i mean it just doesn't it doesn't have the same but feel. it's going to be challenging and uh, you know well it's challenging it's but it's not like those things were taken away what was taken away was like a sense of like of law, like a sense of safety went with that, and then you have a you know a mayor that wants to build a, some sort of sports stadium in a two billion dollar shopping complex. So, all right, I mean yeah, yeah. that's sort of yeah. That's it I mean in until a they come up with a more realistic plan or and then also change sort of. Well, they don't need to come up with anything. What's going to happen is that they're going to basically the bank's going to be like, this is a disaster. We're out. 
and they're going to sell that note for some portion on the dollar. And somebody clever is going to say, well, I'll do all this stuff, London. I can't get you a hockey team or a minor league team or whatever the hell the other team you think we're going to get in here. And sorry, the WNBA doesn't, is not paying enough. So it'll be like, you know, we're going to do all this stuff, but we want you to do these 25 things too. Yeah. And San Francisco might do them now. Yeah. LA won't. LA still, hey, we're LA. We don't do anything around here. Yeah. New York won't. New York, actually, New York bent a little bit with all those, with that, uh, with that package. Yeah. South of 50. <coughs> I mean, that's, that shows that they're, New York, even a, a city that's literally 10x the size of San Francisco, is quick to recognize that we have a problem yeah. and we need to like start legislating the problem. Although, what, one interesting thing I, was gonna, I saw too about New York City on the multifamily side. Um, I guess, you know, rent, there's a lot of rent-stabilized apartments, but a million of them in New York City. Wonderful. A million units. And the New York City Rent Guidelines Board uh, finally approved for 2023 the rent increases. And there was this big battle over how much should we increase, what can we allow. And ultimately, they kind of, they were leaning toward a, a, a more larger increase, which is still less than what, uh, you know, uh, developers and, and landlords wanted. Um, initially, they, they were, they, it basically came out at the end of the day with 3% increase. Um, for at least a year one, and then and then uh, two, you know, two two point seven five. If you write, sign a two year lease, two point seven five percent increase, and then uh, year two they'll make it three point two percent. But they originally were going to lean closer to a, a four to seven percent range, <laughs> and and hmm. so um, that was their own recommendation of their own little committee that studied it and recommended it. But then the, apparently the mayor got involved, and I realized Eric Adams was was this proponent of affordable housing and ex cop. Uh, mayor and he he was concerned that no you know that's if you go that high you just from four to seven percent you're just going to put a lot of people out in the streets and people just can't afford it it'll be displaced and and so um this board caved in and, and so did sort of a, a compromise on the flip side you have all the tenant advocates still freaking out thinking that that yeah. is still outrageous and you're still going to displace all these people and there are all sorts of protests at this meeting and and so I was, you know, when I read this article, I was just thinking about how, like, boy, this is really a no-win situation on, you know, the tenant advocates and, and the mayor were saying, basically, I know we're putting the burden on the landlords, but, yeah, all right, so what? Yeah. On the flip side, he, there he's arguing, you know, yeah, but, you know, but we can't just pe- put people out in the street. <laughs> so, yeah. But so, so, yeah. Oh, you don't care. We don't care. <laughs> and then, you know, and of course, all the organizations representing landlords talk about, well, deal, you know, operations don't pencil then. You just... All this deferred maintenance will continue to, do, to get deferred. Yeah. All well, the, we're seeing it. Yeah. Uh, and, can't and so have it's both ways. Can't it's have it both ways. So, so something's got to break. Uh, Bell Partners, um, in anticipation of a buying opportunity, hopefully in the apartment industry, they think bargain-seeking will come to a certain degree. They actually just raised a big $1.3 billion fund just to buy apartments. Um, <laughs> you know, they didn't, you know, you know, someone, I think Larry Fink at... at uh, BlackRock once said, if you're looking for distress in multifamily, it's going to be a long wait. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I guess the Bell Partner guys feel, you know, true apartment fundamentals remain solid, but they think there will be some opportunities for all cash buyers as guys who are over leveraged. And we talk about this often about people, syndicators, other types who might have been over leveraged over the last few years um, are going to need equity now because the takeout financing is just not there for them. Yeah, and I think takeout financing is becoming more and more of a tricky situation now that we've seen at least one rate pause. 
Yeah. yeah question is, is it a pause or is it a skip? What's going to happen? Well, it doesn't matter because it's not like it's just going to, you know, drop 150 basis points overnight. Where we are today is where we are. Yeah. But what you are seeing, because there was a pause or a skip or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter because you're starting to see some of the costs of that of getting the financing, whether it be like just overall interest rate or rate cap, whatever, start to go down a little bit, which is actually helpful, but it's also a coming of reality. Yeah, yeah. And the reality starting to sink in, and it's basically a convergence of, you've got some clarity in the in the debt markets, but you also just have coming maturities, yeah. right? And you yeah. can't. I mean, I'm kind of wondering whether it's, you know, the challenge then is, okay, do you pay down your loan? So you get your leverage down, and then you go to get more uh, lower price financing, or do you, you know, take another gamble? One article I saw recently about some guy talking about a lender now willing to do multifamily lending um, and other asset classes, where it's fixed rate financing, but it's still fixed rate at eight percent, you know. But you can get out, you get interest only, and you can get out pretty yeah. easily. And so it's like, or is it worth it to like? Let's just cap it at the fixed rate for a few years, a year or two, and then just get out so that you survive. Or do you, you know, certainly then it's less attractive to get the, the floating, get the, and, and also, to, or to get floating rate debt because then you got to pay the interest rate yeah. cap agreement you have to purchase. And so I was trying to weigh which is better, go fixed rate, no cap, or just go floating with a cap <laughs> and eat the cost of a cap. Yeah, I think I think this is where it gets more and more complicated. Right? So, but but I also think that that the, if the cap is your issue, or the rate is your issue, mm-hmm. that still signals to me that you're in an okay place, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because those are like, while those are significant, they're not as significant as oh, we're gonna need you to put up X to even get the loan. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think the bigger, like I think, I don't know if in in Main Street if that distinction is clear for most people. The distinction is like, do I have these nuanced costs that which are expensive and annoying? Yeah, and like wasteful cap, in some and ways. wasteful in some ways, but you're still lendable. Mm-hmm. The, the problem that some of these office guys or some of these larger retailers or mall owners have is they're not really lendable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's where like the real fallout's going to happen, or it's happening. It's happening. It's not even like going to yeah. happen. It's happening. All right, let's do some. Let's do, let's make this short one because I gotta go to Dallas tomorrow morning. Um, any content or any any uh, numbers? Any numbers we missed? No, the the only number I was going to talk about was a report on the stress real estate, and it talked about uh, first quarter twenty twenty three, the number grew to sixty three point seven billion, and surprise ten percent was basically added in the first quarter, and interesting enough. The high, when you break down that 63.7 billion, the highest group is actually um, not office. It's actually the office number two, but number one, one is retail still. Yeah, big, big and, and, and 60% retail. of it is all the malls that we always talk about. Um, and then you have all the, the offices. Really so, uh, so, you know, there is a cooling uh, of distress in retail, it seems, right now, uh, as other sectors heat up, like office, as we're yeah. starting to see more and more of. Um, you know, one, one counterbalance to the office, I did see an article, uh, 245 Park Avenue, which is a marquee uh, New York City office building. Um, yes, it is. SL Green sold a piece to Japanese investor hmm. who came in and paid it, which basically valued the building around $2 billion still. So it was a, 
you know, a good number from a comp standpoint if you're Very trying to trying to you know get get some value for your New York City offices, um, but a, but a rare one at at, at that. Um, no, my I mean my content is just a movie, uh, just a action movie I watch every weekend. Um, what was it called again? Um, uh, uh, flame. Uh, it's a cop movie about a cop who, who they were trying to catch what is it called uh flaming no uh i forget I mean, the name like, oh raging like, fire raging fire raging fire, fire that's what yeah. it was i think it had something to do with fire, flame raging it was, it was like fire, flame yeah. fire it's a raging fire i should have wrote it down anyway yeah it was about it was about these cops and real and some rich rich guy got kidnapped and and the cops were told go find them at any cost you know shake shake down all the other organized crime criminals and in the oh, course of doing it funny. you know the and, you know the police guy told his guy you know i'll back you no matter what happens and they accidentally killed Wait, some guy bad. they were they were beaten up to get the information from they saved the rich guy from kidnapping but then they got charged with murdering the like the guy they beat up yeah, and then they became bad guys and, and it became this whole thing yeah. good guys against bad, bad guys it was kind of it was this is a hong kong movie it was kind of a um uh, there's a lot of gunplay. It was kind of like that um, uh, Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman movie, Heat. It was kind heat. of like a Heat, okay. the good guy, bad guy kind of thing. Well, it sounds it. riveting. So. <laughs> Your description's even more riveting. Uh, I, I watched. Uh, I started watching Righteous Gemstones, which is the Danny McBride, Adam Devine, uh, um, John Goodman deal. So it's funny. I mean, about mining like, gemstones or they're, No, jewelry. they're about... They're a... Um, they're like a evangelist Christian group that mm-hmm. like they mean well but they're like totally goofy and they're like kind of like totally Christian group but they're like entertainers and okay. they're just they're all comedians so it's funny um, so this is their third season and uh, they've released a few episodes so I started watching that the it's gemstone funny. it's called? the Righteous Gemstone Righteous Gemstone the what's righteous. that named after? Mm. is that like a band in, in the, some Christian はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、ファンです。はい、
uh, no, I, upgrade wise, I'm, I'm excited for next week, 4th of July. Okay. You know, take my kids to see some fireworks. They love that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Tuesday, 4th of July, I feel like it's an upgrade for everyone. It's like, it's a, it's a very like washed out week. <laughs> what is that? They have the fireworks at the La Canada? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. That'd be fun. Yeah. 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 It'll be good. Um, all right, folks, we'll keep it short to this week. Uh, I don't know if we're going to record on Monday. I don't know what the plan is for Monday, but uh, if not Monday, we'll be here Wednesday for sure. Back on the, back in the podcast studio. It's a new amenity these folks are doling out these days. But, um, yes. Enjoy your summer, everyone. Enjoy, this, enjoy the start of the summer, summer. folks. We're, we're here. Yep. Take care. <laughs>